0: Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast, a weekly show dedicated to talking all things Port Adelaide. I'm Enviable Tradition, I'm here today with my regular co-host Maca 19 g'day mate.
1: G'day mate, how's things?
0: Good buddy, good, and Fishing Rick, how
1: are you mate? Hey, yeah, very good, thank you.
0: And joining us on the podcast for the first time, we have uh, The Smaller Warrior. Welcome, buddy. Cheers, guys. And uh, we're going to throw it straight to you, mate, get straight into it, as we always like to when we start this podcast. We're going to get you to talk to us about how you became a port man and what your port story is.
2: I don't really have a very interesting story, to be honest. I, uh, <laughs> my, dad, my dad's a massive Woodville supporter um, from back in the day. Uh, My brother's a North Melbourne supporter, and I used to support Richmond because I played a bit of footy for uh, Glenelg back when I was a little kid, Um, so I sort of followed Richmond because they were the Tigers as well, I guess, Uh, and then uh, I think it was about year five or so at primary school when Port came into the AFL, and my teacher back then was a mad Port supporter, Um, and he... (laughs) I was a bit of, of a fat kid, and um, he did this competition where the first person that could uh, recite the port uh, cheers, uh, sorry, the port song, um, would win a free can of Coke. So, I uh, I learned the song pretty quick, smart, and um, it just sort of went from there. To be honest, I became a port supporter after that, and uh, yeah, it's to the point where I'm pretty uh, pretty one-eyed, bit of a nut supporter now. So it's good.
0: Perfect. So you basically got the reverse Graham Corns. Started off as a Glenelg supporter and now you've seen the light.
2: Yeah, and uh, I guess probably up until um, recently I was still a Glenelg NFL supporter. Um, not like a, a massive supporter, but I was a member. Um, and then, what, what was it, two or three years ago when they started to treat Salopec a bit like shit, I uh, I told him the... Oh. Off and uh, oh, I probably can't swear. Um, I told him to get started. And, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> welcome, welcome. the first one and, of the show. And, well done, TSW. And <laughs> and so.
2: and, it, uh, and yeah, it just went from there.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, good stuff, mate. So, look, we're going to skip the love hate for this week because we all decided we didn't really have a lot to hate this week. But uh, we thought we might jump straight into talking about Kenny Hinkley, obviously uh, just being named uh, Coach of the Year by the by all the other coaches, which is a pretty prestigious thing. Um, I'm sure that all of you guys will be pretty supportive of that but what are your thoughts on the year Kenny's had guys?
3: Oh, I think he's had a fantastic year. Um the thing I like most about Kenny is his bluntness. You know, he's just straight down the line, no rubbish. You know, it's all, you know, you get what you deserve, you know, this is how it is. If we play like crap, then we play like crap. He's going to say it. If we play well, we play well and he's going to say that too. So that's what I really like about Kenny. Um I think sort of tactically, I think he's got a lot to yeah, you know, a lot to give, um, and I think in terms of development, he's going to be fantastic for this football club.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, I'm, Rick. I'm with you. I'm with you there, Makarai. And I thought it was interesting <laughs> this week with some of his comments. Um, not necessarily jumping for the the ageing uh, players that might be available, but looking more at the younger players, where he, he again going back to that development, where he wants to maybe get the younger crew in and and try and sort of mould and develop his own culture and his own stamp on the team instead of maybe, you know, looking at your, your Heath Shaws and, and those other older other older guys that might be available and, I mean, like you said, Maka, there's really not much else different to really say about Ken Hinkley other than well done and, you know, class act and hopefully he can back it up next year. Yep. Yeah,
0: absolutely. TSW, did you want to jump yeah, in on
2: that, mate? I don't think there was much to hate really this year. I mean, there was some things throughout the year with uh, selection choices that I sort of questioned at the time, but I can't think of anywhere he actually got really anything wrong. Um, I mean, there were players probably like Solder and stuff that I would have liked to see get a little bit of a chance under under Hinkley. But um, yeah, everything he did, you know, bringing in Thomas and Logan and stuff when he did, I probably questioned it. But um, they they proved me wrong, really, especially Logan uh, in in the second half of the year and the finals and stuff. And uh, yeah, no, he just he just seems to everything he touches turns to gold, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty boring segment, actually, isn't it? Because we're all just going to say what a great job he did, because he really didn't put a foot wrong. And as Meka said, I think the you know the fact that he was just so honest. You know, so often coaches seem to be so concerned about saying the right thing or the wrong thing or what's going to sound good for the media or putting the right spin on things. But really, at the end of the day, the best thing that works for both the players and the media is when they just come out and tell you what they really think and just tell it straight down the line. You know, there's no there's no BS. There's no spin. It's like this is what you got to do. This is what we expect. This is what the Port Adelaide Football Club's all about. And, and that's probably the best thing that Kenny's done is he's come in and right from the bat has just understood what the Port Adelaide Football Club's all about, what made us successful for such a long period of time. And he hasn't sugarcoated it. He's just come in and said, this is what we expect. This is how we do it. Um, and the other thing that I really like about Kenny, and he and sort of touched on it before, Rick, is that he's taken the long view. You know, he's not actually saying, "Well, what what do we got to do to try and get the best? You know, to do the best right now." Although he has been able to do that at the same time, but he's saying, "Well, we want to build something that's going to be sustainable for the future." You know, you look at a team like Geelong who've managed to stay up the top for such a long period of time because they built that list from the ground up with young players. They brought through the right players, with the right culture, with the right you know mindset and mentality, the right training, all those sort of things. They brought them through right from the start, and they've created a list that they've been able to maintain over time. And developed a culture that's allowed younger players to come into that group, buy into the same culture, and and keep that going. Um, And it really feels like that's what Kenny's created. I mean, obviously, you know, the first-year coach, there's always that sort of first-year coach syndrome. Can they keep it up for the second year? And that's going to be the big test for Kenny. But, geez, so far,
1: so good. You really can't fold a thing he's done. Mm. Hey, can I derail this quickly? Go. The small warrior mentioned uh, Nick Salter. What about that goal he kicked on the weekend? Sorry, I just <laughs> had to bring that up. That was just amazing. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> no, I
0: did didn't see it either, nah. Rick, so you have to tell us all about oh, it. What
1: did you do, mate? Oh god, you, you got everyone has to YouTube it. Do you see it? The small warrior?
2: My dad's been talking about it all week, but yeah, I didn't get to see it either.
1: Right, stuck in the what is it, southwestern pocket at Footy Park. Buddy, ball's coming down from the air. So just with the hand, doesn't even grab it, just sort of guides it and flicks it to his boot, like 30 metres out from goal, exactly like, well, the opposite of Westhoff, the Czech side. His was a snap, but he just kicks it straight from the pocket, right on the boundary line. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I've probably struggled to think of a better goal than I've ever seen. So, don't <laughs> right. well, check, check it out. We have to well, take well, your word you for it out. for now, Rick, but
0: we'll make sure we but, check it out on YouTube later, but, and uh, maybe we'll awful. link
1: it. All attributed to Ken Hinckley's coaching, no doubt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we might have to put the link in the thread so people can check that out. So we'll, we'll find that one so. for you. So um, the next thing we're going to talk about is obviously, you know, this week we've had the Brownlow and the BNF. Um, Wingard obviously taking home the BNF. Bokey being the top pollster uh, in the Brownlow. Uh, so I thought what might be interesting is obviously talk about what you guys thought of their respective years. Obviously, you know, the rest of the top five in terms of the Brownlow, we had Boke, Ebert, Wingard, Corns, Westhoff. Um, I thought you guys might like to talk about who you thought had the best year, particularly between Boke and Wingard. And uh, yeah, so perhaps Mackie, you can jump in there and give us your thoughts on, on who you thought should be the BNF for this year.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, with the votes that I give in my uh, review <laughs> threads after the game, I had Wingard as uh, the number one player for the year with Boke second. Um, so I was pretty happy with him, with Wingard winning the best and fairest. Um, I think it was a very good season uh, for Wingard. Just a phenomenal effort, really considering how he played last year, you know, he was kind of, as I said last week, he was a little bit undersized, and even this year he's a little bit undersized, but he just got the job done, just week in, week out, so consistent, didn't really even play a bad game, I think he polled in every game um, in the best and fairest. Um, Bokey, uh, well, actually, just on we gut again, I thought he was probably got a, bit, a little bit of a raw deal in the brown low, he only polled in three games, I thought he probably could have polled in probably another two or three and got up to got up to double figures. Um Bokey, um he was our hope for the Brownlow. Thirteen votes. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fair effort. He probably could have got another sort of two or three. I think we were hoping that he'd get over the fifteen mark, but um I mean we we're just so even all year. You know, guys like Ebert and Hartlett and Corns, um they all popped up and scored votes and I mean you can't really go wrong with, with uh with how the umpires voted, I don't think.
0: And at TSW, we might change the order, mate, but you jump in next. What were your thoughts, mate? Oh,
2: I mean, everyone knows how much I love Kane Corns. Um, so, I mean, I don't think he was the best this year. I mean, Wingard and Boat clearly were number one and two, but I think Corns' year was, I mean, even though he was in the top five, still underrated, I think. he just He's just the player that just keeps going on and on and um, just doing things that no one really expects him to do, um, just taking our players. And I think everyone's probably said that, his best games generally seem to be the ones where he doesn't, you know, rack up 30 disposals. He gets, you know, maybe early to mid 20s, and he just is able to lock out pretty much any player in the game still. And uh, I think it's uh, he'll probably be our first 300 gamer, um, and I think that's probably well deserved from a, a Glenelg boy as well.
0: And so, who would you have had as the uh, BNF TSW between Boke and Wingard by the sound of it?
2: Yeah, um, it's tough. Um, I, I think probably. Ah oh, shit! Um, I mean, Wingard because he's so young is is just incredible how how well he's played. But I think probably in consistency over the year you'd probably have to give it to Boak.
1: Yeah, and Rick, what about you, mate? Who'd you have between those two? Uh, tough one. I'm with Macker. I seem to agree with Macker a lot. I think I think Wingard for me. Just I mean, Travis was fantastic and and Bradley, but was uh, you know a champion all year. And I think you pointed out earlier in our uh, uh, podcast, you know, his line and gut running that he does is just amazing, you know, when we first started all, all of this and, uh, you know, but Chad's just uh, come to the plate for such a young young boy and, uh, and delivered the goods and I think with the Brownlow, you know, it's such an even spread of votes, shows our team performance and that's what, going back to Ken as well, we're, we're an even spread team now. We're, we're not relying on, on or trying to rely on one player, we're trying to spread the load and, and that's going to be good for the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I probably would have gone with TSW, I reckon. I, I would have had Bokey as the number one. Um, I just thought, you know, with their different roles, I think Bokey was really getting it done in the middle of the ground, right in the guts, You know, probably getting the number one tag in most weeks. Um, I thought that, you know, given his role, I thought he probably had a harder and a bigger challenge. You know, Wingard was able to play a little bit more You know, resting in sort of the, the half-forward line, the forward pocket. Um, probably somewhat of an easier role, although it can be a pretty challenging role at the same time. Um, i think you know once he starts moving a bit more into that midfield time then then he'll start really in my mind anyway sort of pushing up to that real top level um once again i thought ebert it was really good to see ebert be the second polar in the brown low i, I was really chuffed for him i thought he's just done a whole lot of work each year i don't think he's been better than wingard but but he's done some amazing work all year i thought cornsey being in the top five i thought was fantastic and i think it was a bit of a sign of how his roles changed this year or, or at least how he's played a little bit differently this year i think he's been a lot more creative, a lot more productive this year, um, and I think that really showed. You know, by catching some of, the, yeah, catching the eye of the umpires a little bit more, and perhaps getting a few more votes. Um, you know, he always polls well in the BNF, but not necessarily from memory as well in the Brownlow, and uh, and I thought that was a real sign that that he stepped up, and and great to see West off in the top five in our Brownlow voting as well. I just thought. His consistency this year was, was greatly improved on what it's been previously. And uh, and he's really, I think, this year finally showing what we've known for a long time that he's capable of as a player. Um, and so I think those are five players who are really going to take us forward next year. Um, and with some of those youngsters coming through, I think it's really exciting to think what we're going to have uh, coming through in the next few years.
3: Um, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Cameron O'Shea. He got an eighth spot in the best and fairest. Very, very well-deserved. He was super yeah. consistent all year. Um, And just a remarkable turnaround from, you know, pretty much 95% of the people on our board wanting him delisted at the end of 2012, Mm. um, to being probably one of our real cult heroes this year, and, you know, God knows what he can do in the future, because he's just got a fantastic future ahead of him, in my opinion. You're not saying the list Mm, manager got it right, are you, Maka? The list manager? Yeah. (laughs) or Terry Wallace. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, oh. I was I was thinking maybe Peter Roode who does also copy oh, the flag
3: Rode. on our board.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, well, I, I mean, I never wanted O'Shea axed. I didn't think uh, I thought he was scapegoated last year pretty poorly. Um, and I, yeah, nothing made me happier this year than him becoming a really consistent, very good player. Mm. So you, In you we trust. We
0: In might move we on, trust. guys, and start looking at uh, at the grand final. Um, obviously Port not involved in it, but uh, but it's going to be a pretty good big game. There's a couple of former Port boys playing there in uh, in Sean Burgoyne and Daniel Pearce. Um, Rick, might start with you, mate. What are your thoughts just briefly on the grand final and who you think will win this week?
1: If I was going to be brutally honest, I don't really care. Port's not playing, <laughs> but uh, to be a purist football supporter, I hope Frio wins. I like this. Yeah, you know, to continue the Cinderella story from from Port Adelaide, and uh, and I think they've been a, a deserved team. You know, they've been fantastic. That game, how they dismantled Sydney um, last week was just was just amazing. They they uh, they just tore tore them a new one. And uh, you know, free, uh, West Hawthorns had their uh, time in the sun. You know, they've been up for what the last six seven years, and you know, they're a great team, great skills. Uh, but I think you know. A bit like Geelong and, and, uh, and Sydney, they're starting to get a little bit old and I think the younger, fresher, uh, Frio is going to be too strong and, and will take them down.
3: For me, I think um, I probably want Freo to win. Um, I just can't hack Sean Burgoyne winning a premiership for Hawthorne, I don't think. I'm still pretty dirty on his move and, yeah, don't really want that <laughs> to happen. Um, whereas I think Pearcey, you know, he probably deserves one and, and Pavlich as well, I think... Um, you know after so many years and the fact that he stayed loyal to freo uh, for such a long time um it would be a very well deserved premiership for him to uh, for him to win one near the end of his yeah, career. spot on macca
2: yeah definitely i think it'll be a draw and then the second week freeman will win
0: that's <laughs> an interesting <laughs> call that will be that'd be Russell Lyon's second draw in a few years too yeah.
1: got nervous wouldn't
0: he he plays the sort of game style that could result in a draw, I reckon. They tend to be... Although they've changed a little bit for Rio now, haven't they, from the St Kilda game style. I think there's been a lot said about the sort of negative game style, but I think they have become a bit more attacking. But uh,
3: oh, They're a very quick side, and you know they play pretty attractive football, even though they are fairly defensive as well. Um, they sort of change from week to week for what they want to do. I mean, one week they play that real dour defensive footy, and then the next week they kick a heap of goals and, you know, guys like Ballantyne and Waters just tear people apart, so...
0: Yeah. Uh, i got to I mean, admit, I'm... I'm kind of torn on it. Like, I, I do like having Freo as a bit of a punching bag in the league. Like, it's nice to be able to sort of just rag on them, and no matter how bad things are going, you go, well, at least we've won A Premiership in the, in the AFL. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, they're nice to have around just to kind of laugh at and poke fun at. But I, I, I would actually like to see him win the flag, I reckon. As you said before, with Pav there, you know, you'd love to see Pav get a flag. He's been such a great player, such a such an underrated player, I reckon, for such a large portion of his career. Um, even though he's always been sort of, you know, recognised as Frio's best player, I think he's never really been talked about in terms of, you know, the best player in the league in the way that I think perhaps he should have been at various stages of his career. And uh, But to be so loyal and to stick with it for a team that's really, let's face it, not had a lot of success over the years, you'd love to see him get up just for Pav, I reckon. And, and I do have a mate who's a long-suffering Frio fan, so I would like to see him get up for him, but... I think, I think yeah. probably Rick's first point of not really caring is probably closer to the mark, to be honest.
3: I'd also like <laughs> Frio to win just to see the meltdown that'll happen if, if <laughs> Hawthorne lose on big footy. Bye-bye, I mean, <laughs> buddy. It'll be great to see, I think.
0: I think there'll be a bigger meltdown in Frio. I don't think they'll know what to do with themselves. It'll be out yeah. of control.
1: Actually, Maka, a question for you. You're our expert reviewer. Do you reckon Ross saint Kilda, compared to Ross Lyon-Frio, um, his Frio team spreads a lot better? the St Kilda team, which has increased their attacking capacity compared to his St Kilda days?
3: Well, I think that's probably just football as a whole is, uh, has gone that direction a little bit more. Whereas at St Kilda, I mean, certainly, I think with St Kilda, he, he had more star players, you know, guys like Goddard and Fisher and, you know, Hudgston and Lenny Hayes and Del Santo and all, all these really big name players whereas at Frio there's there's one or two but it's more of a big team effort and I do think yeah definitely a lot more attacking than they ever were at St Kilda.
0: They should have done better that St Kilda team really shouldn't they? When you start listing off those names Oh
3: they had to win a flag. They had to win a flag. Yeah. Mm.
0: Alright boys so let's let's move on from the grand final and get back to some port topics and, and let's start having a look at the season as a as a whole. Um, what did you guys think of the season? Obviously, I think everyone's probably going to be pretty chuffed about it. But if we just talk, just very generally to start with, just overall feelings of the season, we'll get into some more specifics as we go along. Maka, obviously, pretty happy, mate.
3: Oh, how how could you go wrong? I mean, I guess you know, new coach, new CEO, new fitness coach, new captain. I mean, there was a lot to sort of look forward to in the off season, but also a lot of you know nerves and you know how are we going to go? Is it going to work? You know all that sort of stuff, and it you got to say it has at this point in time. Um, clearly, we had a big spike up the ladder. You know, we were fitter, stronger, um, a better game plan, much more confident. Um, we got a lot more out of pretty much all of our players. There was only really one or two that didn't really develop this year. Um, so looking at it as a whole, I mean... Yeah, it's just been a fantastic year. And and it's great just to be confident about Port Adelaide again. Just going to games, knowing that you're going to put in an effort, no no matter what happens, that the reason you're going to lose is just because you've lost to a better team on the day, as opposed to losing because you've had some farcical, you know, breakdown halfway through the last quarter or, you know, just unfit or anything like that. So, as a whole, yeah, A-plus this season, I think, for me.
0: And Rick, I think this is merging with our next topic, which was going to be what went right. And I think it's probably safe to say we're all going to say it was a good season. So we may as well merge these two together. And, and tell us what you thought of the season, Rick, and, and what you thought went right this year.
1: Yeah, look, I think the biggest thing—well, um, there's numerous things that went right for us. I think, you know, getting the uh, da- getting David Kosh on was a, a key pillar of uh, moving forward. And if you think in the off seat or la- at the end of last season when we were all talking about on the board and how many people were Annie. Uh, David Kosh uh, to start with, and didn't think it was the right move, and and how he's really been able to exert his influence and and show that he's he's not just a, a media guy, but he's a, a perfect performer for the footy club as well, and uh, you know and that really just swung everything, that created such a positive momentum for the club throughout the whole you know off season and into the season, it was amazing, and for me the best thing or what went right for us which created our um, improvement up the ladder was, was the youth of the footy team and how they stepped up. And, you know, so you're you Jackson Trengrove and, and you Chad Wingard and Ollie Wines and Jake Need and, and all of those young boys, and I'm probably missing a whole host of them, there were so many, but they're the ones that really stepped up to the plate and said, you know what, boys, we, we want to go forward. And uh, and they took it on and, you know, it was great to see yeah. And You know, I was very happy Exceeded expectations.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing you're going to agree. TSW, pretty happy, mate. What did you think specifically went right?
2: Look, I think probably the most important thing is that our depth just looks brilliant now. I mean, there's probably only one player on our list still that hasn't improved like immensely in the past 12 months. Um, when you look at guys like Archie and Newton and Cleary and all these guys. They've they've improved like dramatically. They're playing league football consistently. Um, you have guys like Newton and stuff that are just pushing to to make that AFL team, and that's so important um, to you know sort of stay towards the top as well. We need these players to really come on. Um, but I think probably the one guy that continually, for some reason, just gets ignored. Um, well, there's probably two really. Um, And that's Keith Thomas and probably even Peter Rode as well, where these two guys, um, Keith has really managed and sort of been behind everything, really, which has improved for the club. When you look at guys like um, Kenny and Kosh, Keith was behind all of that sort of of movement. Um, And it's amazing because the hate he's got from some people um, at the start and all this sort of stuff, and there was all these worries that he was a mole and all this sort of rubbish. Um,
1: The Lord imposter.
2: Yeah, he's he's just turned everything on completely and he's he's made this all happen. Um, so I really think he's he's one that in, in years to come, we'll, we'll look back on him and realise what he's done to our club. Um, and Rode, again, probably someone that's been paid out by a lot of people in the past few years. Um, but this thing seemed to be going right with our list management and everything. We don't really have these players anymore that shouldn't be there. Um, we probably were able to get rid of them all in, in one last sweep this year, um, and we've brought on some awesome players, guys like Monthrees, um, and even Renouf, um, though he hasn't done a hell of a lot this year, it, it's good to have that backup, I guess, support there um, for the young guys.
0: Yeah, and obviously a lot went right this year. Obviously, I was just wrapped with the year. I think there's probably, you know, realistically, probably the best we could have hoped for in terms of this year. Um, you know, the most pleasing thing, I think, is the change in the, the mentality of the whole club, actually. I was going to say the team, but it was actually the whole club that, we just got things right off field and on field, where you can just tell that we're building for something for the future. We're actually heading in the right direction, where we're creating a culture off field and on field that's going to see us in really good stead. And I think that's that's much more important than the actual results we got this year. Even though the results we got this year were fantastic, the culture that's being created at the club by that off field team of Koshi and Keith and all those guys, even Darren Burgess, getting them you know getting that fitness stuff right, and then obviously the on field team and the coaches with Kenny Hinkley obviously driving that real culture of you know honesty and hard work and you get what you you know you get what you pay for and all that sort of stuff it really does look like we're setting ourselves up for a great future um, obviously the young player development was a massive one this year you know seeing some of these young guys come through and you talk about the wind guards, the needs the o'shays those players stepping up to the next level the other thing i thought that was probably underrated this year was i've sort of labeled it as senior player retraining But, you know, some of the guys like Kane Corns and even, you know, Dom Cassisi, even Matt Thomas, Tommy Logan, um, some of these senior players, when they have come into the team and been given an opportunity, we've seen different stuff from them, I think, where they've been able to really play a role within a much more unified team structure where, you know, they weren't expected to do everything, but they were just expected to play their role and fit into the team and, and do the bit that was required. And I think particularly Kane was a real sign of that, where he was able to change his game again, which... Once again, massive credit to Kane Corns to be able to keep adapting his game as the game keeps changing, um, and to be a much more positive, creative player that he was this year it was an absolute credit to him. And so I thought that that buy-in from the young players and the senior players uh, was a massive part of our improvement and our changes. Um,
3: Mac, yeah, did you have anything else
0: you wanted to add there in terms of what went right?
3: Yeah, well, that's one of uh, that's one of the notes that I had was better on-field leadership, um, which is where we improved a lot this year. Not necessarily you know, the the leadership group in terms of like Boak and Ebert, those guys. But as you said, guys like Cassisi, Logan, even Carlisle, Trengove, I mean they all stood up. You know, they all led from the front, you know, did what they had to do in so many games this year and that was that was uh, that was a large part of our improvement on field this year. Um, but the, the main one the main improvement I thought was with Darren Burgess and getting us fit. I mean just Absolutely the years of under Primus where we just ran out ran out of steam sort of halfway through the third quarter and and we knew it was going to happen week after week you know to have that confidence to know that going into three-quarter time we were going to storm home and we did so many times this year you know we came from behind in so many games and we looked you know we looked shot at three-quarter time in in a couple of games you know games like the show the second showdown and we just knew that we were going to come home and and we did, and you know that's that's probably the best appointment for the year for me. And um, was getting Burgess back and getting us super, super AFL, you know, elite fit. Absolutely, and how, ex- and how exciting is, is so it
0: to think what well, that's going to be next year? You know, with a second preseason under that same training regime, that same group, the younger players going through their second preseason. It's I can't imagine how fit they're going to be next year. after what he achieved in just one preseason.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if remember we remember what Darren in this- said in the interview. Yeah, that they were going to push them another 25, 30% or something like that.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. <clears throat> well,
3: that's the thing. I mean, you know, considering how we went this year, and I mean, if we want to play this really fast paced handball, you know, run and gun footy, which we've tried to play this year and for the most part succeeded, but, um, you know, if, if we really want to do that to the standard of a, of a Geelong, then we do need to improve that, you know, another 20, 25% in terms of fitness.
0: So let's move on. Let's start talking about what went wrong. Obviously, you know, we are pretty happy with the year. There's probably not a massive list, but maybe TSW, you might start, mate, and talk about what you thought went wrong this year.
2: Uh, it's It sounds harsh, but we'll probably Butcher um, just yeah. hasn't developed like we all sort of would love him to. Um, really needs to step up. Uh, I guess some people are losing faith, but um, I, I still have a lot of faith in the guy. Um, I think what he really needs is confidence. Um, I mean, he's a great guy. Um I know him somewhat personally, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's just all about confidence. of Butch, um, he just loses it. Um, uh, it. He hasn't hit packs anywhere near as hard as what he was. Um, and really, when you look at look at the year we've had, um, there isn't much more to hate, really. Um, but yeah, I would just love to see him step up, and hopefully, um, he can get a pre- full preseason and really get that confidence up and just smash it next year.
0: And recall your thoughts in terms of what went wrong, mate.
1: Oh, look, for me, um, be, this is being hypercritical, I guess. I, I harped on it on numerous occasions. We didn't get enough ball for an extended period of time when the other team got a run on. And we're not the only team that's gone through that either, and we're a young team, so I, I understand that. But, you know, we can't... And Geelong, the, the Geelong game last week was another example. We can't go quarters where we're not really touching the ball or halting a run on, and that's something that needs to be addressed. And and I guess an extension of that is we need to look at becoming a little bit more efficient with our delivery out of the defensive uh, 50. Uh, there was, you know, quite quite a few times where we just got a real bit, bit sloppy, very panicked, and we need a bit more structure and discipline with how we're going to move the ball out of defence. But like I said, I'm being very hypercritical and, and uh, you know, I mean, that's going to come as the playing group and the defensive six play more together and uh, develop together. So good things are coming to us, I'd imagine.
3: Absolutely. And Maka, what did you think, mate? I think both of those are pretty spot on. I mean, with Butcher, I mean, he's probably the big disappointment of the year. Uh, maybe the last couple of years, really. Just we needed a, another key forward to stand up and give us a second option. Um, with Westhoff playing a more sort of all round role. Um, Stewart had one crack and clearly wasn't good enough. Salter didn't get a game. Shaw's too young. It was really up to Butcher to stand up. And obviously, well, he had a couple of good games. I mean, there were there were a few games there where he just... Wasn't into it at all. Just looked so timid. Just that he's almost a completely different player to the player of his first couple of seasons. Just in terms of you, you don't really see him lead anymore. He, he's not really a leading forward. He relies on sort of pushing another player under the ball to take a mark, but often drops the mark. His kicking is just horrid. Um, so he's really the the one that really needs to step up and improve next year. Fingers crossed he can have a. Uh, a proper full preseason. Hopefully, get some weight on and and a bit more strength in his core and in his hips. I, th- I, think, I, he's, I,
2: th- I think he's been primed. To be honest, if you look at how he was playing <laughs> in that in that last year with under under Maddie, yeah, he he just wasn't going up. He was sort of staying down and sort of playing like what you'd expect Hitchcock to be playing, and just sort of going for the ball when it fell to the ground. Um,
3: yeah, he's sort of playing uh, like a, a, a taller Robbie Gray. Sort of yeah, thing.
2: and I think a lot of people focus on his kick of the ball, but if I actually look at his kick, it's not the kick which is the issue, and it's the ball drop, but for whatever reason, I, I don't know why, we just haven't changed it. Um, and it's it's <clears> not going to <throat> take much to change that drop, but just if it, whatever the club are doing, um, I think that really needs to be the focus of Butcher, just to get that ball drop perfect, um, and then from there, I don't think we'll have issues. His confidence will go up with his kicking, he won't, he won't worry about that so much, um, and, and I think another preseason season with, with Kenny and his structure and instruction from those guys, uh, I, I think we will see that improvement, I hope we'll see that improvement, um, but yeah, I, I definitely would, would not be writing him off um, in the slightest.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with all you guys, I had Butcher on my list of what went wrong this year as well, but... Uh, And and as with all the things on my list, I've sort of said, well, these are things that went wrong, but really they're kind of in some ways to be expected. I mean, Butcher, you know, we know he didn't have a great pre-season. He has had those injuries with his hips. I think, you know, you talk about him not really behaving like a key forward, like looking for the ball on the ground or playing more like a small forward. And I think we've seen that with a lot of the, the key forwards in the game. You know, people used to talk about Buddy Franklin in that same way. People used to talk about Taylor Walker in the same way. You know, when they're young and underdeveloped, that, you know They often are using those other skills to, to sort of work their way into the game and to get a kick and to kick a goal. I think I, I still have a lot of faith in Butch. I, I really think as he develops, if he can just get a, a good pre-season and get some good fitness, some good particularly core strength, I think, into him, I think we're going to see a completely different player with a lot more consistency. I, th- I think the injuries have really hurt him and held him back. Um, the other things I thought I had on my list in terms of what went wrong this year really... You know, the two I had was really the mid-season slump. You know, that sort of round, was it, round six to round ten, I think it was. Um, You know, that was disappointing. Um, Probably not not unexpected, though, for a young team. I think to expect them to be up for the entire season was probably going to be unrealistic. Um, And in a similar vein, I thought the lack of consistency across the games was disappointing at times this year. Uh, We just didn't seem to be able to really run out a full four-quarter game really at any stage throughout the year. Uh, But I think, you know, there are things that went wrong, but there are things that were expected as well. You know, with a young team, with a developing team, you expect that. And I think that's definitely stuff that we can look at improving on next year. Um, Probably the other big disappointment for me this year was seeing Redden go down with injury. I was really looking forward to seeing what he could come up with this year, uh, particularly in tandem with Lobby, who obviously came on a lot this year. I think, you know, it's going to be really exciting to see where those two can go. But that was probably the other big disappointment with me, was just not being able to see him you know, go out a full season like Lobby did and see, you know, how they would have ended up perhaps playing together as a tandem or, you know, who would have taken that lead ruck role. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's probably the other one other thing I would have liked to have seen. And I guess that kind of leads us towards next season and, and where we can improve. So, Mackey you might like to start that discussion off, mate.
3: Yeah, probably midfield structures. And I think this is where Philip Walsh becomes really important. I think, um, as Rick mentioned, um, fade-outs were a bit of an issue numerous times this year Um, it was the uncompetitive first quarters for about five games in the first half of the season Um, and then it became the uncompetitive third quarters in the second half of the season and I think that largely came about due to us getting absolutely hammered in the midfield when the opposition um, had momentum Um, and we can talk about sort of getting our defensive structures right and all that sort of thing but when your midfield's just losing every single stoppage, every single clearance for a 10- or 15-minute period, you know, you're know you just putting your defence under so much pressure. Um, so getting Philip Walsh to come in, getting Henkley to work with them, you know, probably fitness as well, improving that fitness again, uh, another 15- to 20%, um, just to work out ways on how to sort of strategise in how to stop the opposition sort of not just completely destroying us when they've got momentum because it did cost us games and it did cost us the final against Geelong in the end, um, that third quarter. Um, That's probably the main part of where I would like to see improvement. Um, The other one is probably forward structures. We've already spoken about Butcher, um, whether we need to trade in another sort of key forward with a bit of experience or or try and draft a, a young guy like, or you know, a mature age recruit, like Mitch Thorpe, someone like that, that can sort of come in straight away and, and provide an option. Um, so it's not just sort of Schultz and, and to a lesser extent, Westhoff that have to carry the load up forward. Um, and general improvement from the depth players, again, guys like Heath, Stevenson, Homsch, Need, Newton, um, really want to see these guys push for regular AFL football next year.
0: Yeah. And so, Rick, what did you think, mate? Improvement yeah, well said.
1: Year? Well said, Macker. I... Uh agree with everything there. I I, want to see our defensive six especially to stabilise and be rewarded for the whole season if we can, barring injury, um, and just let them gel another season, and I reckon that's going to be fantastic. And youth, youth and youth, you know, all these young boys, one, two, going into their third year in the system, um, that's going to drive our improvement again with the fitness base that they're going to get and their added bulk, and that's going to be a, a big in, impetus for us to keep pushing up, up the ladder. You know, we're going to get another first round draft pick, which is going to slot straight into the, uh, into the team. And when we trade in uh, Jared Pollock, and he comes straight into the side as well, that former number five draft pick, that's going to be fantastic and, and just give us a bit more uh, depth at our midfield uh, to try and uh, stretch the opposition a little bit further.
0: Yeah, and so uh, TSW, perhaps you can tell us where you think we might improve and, and let us know if you've got any goss on, on Pollock as well while you're at it, mate. <laughs> uh,
2: um, apart from what I think has been posted on, on the Port board, that's pretty much where, where I sit. Um, uh, I still think he'll probably end up at Port. Um, I, I haven't heard who he's confirmed, if he has anyone yet in relation to what team he wants to go to. Um, the, the first I heard, um, from a few different sources actually was that he was wanting to come to port. Um, you know, I, I, think the Crows will probably be able to offer a bit more cash maybe, or at least they'll be willing to offer a bit more cash, but I, I just can't see what they'll be trading to get him. Uh, Vince won't go up there. Um, I just don't think they have enough to get him, um. Which, yeah, I think they probably need him more than what we do, to be honest. Um, though I think he's going to be a handy addition to Port. I don't know if he's going to be a straight in walk. Um, I think there's probably a few other players probably keeping him out in, in Heartlett and these sort of guys. Um, and yeah, I, I continued. Um, our, our depth needs to continue to, I guess, improve. You look at guys like Archie and Newton, especially this year. Um, if we can see that sort of improvement again from those guys, there's, there's absolutely no way they shouldn't be playing AFL. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see who pushes, or oh, sorry, who they push out, if any. Um, it'll probably, be unfortunately, waiting for injuries if they do occur. But um, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting year to see how we go. Um, we need to improve again, the same sort of ama- amount we did this year, really, for us to continue to rise or at least stay where we are. We were really lucky this year with injuries; didn't really have too many. Um, so I can probably see us finishing a similar sort of spot, I think, maybe next year, but probably deserve it a little bit more, or at least have earned it a little bit more, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I think you guys have covered probably most of the points I wanted to make in terms of improvement next year. I think we have got a lot of scope for improvement. I think, you know, the extra year's development into those young players I think is going to see that consistency that I spoke about, both across the season and within games, to start playing more four-quarter games, which I think will see us continue to improve. Um, I do think that that the, the extra key forward is what we need, and I'm not sure that we need to recruit someone. I really think... You know, I actually feel quite confident that one of Butcher or Shaw is actually going to be... You know, step up enough next year to play that, that second or third tall forward role. Particularly with someone like Jared Redden coming back in as a second Ruckman. I think, you know, he's shown a, a bit of talent up forward as well. And I think, you know, between that trio, I think we're going to have enough tall timber up forward if we just give them a chance to develop, start giving them a few games. Um, I think between the three of them, we're going to see something up there that'll that'll help us in that regard. And I think... You know the other thing is once again just more smart recruiting and smart drafting. I think you know looking at some of those players like we brought in this year with you know Heath and Stevenson and those kind of guys, Homsch. We, we added that extra depth to our team, and I think we really, as you said before, just need to keep improving that depth. Whether that's through the draft, getting guys like Ollie Wines who can come straight in and be you know gun players, or you know even Jakey Need who came in and played straight away. Um, or whether it's getting those slightly more mature age players who are just lacking opportunity elsewhere. I think by a combination of those two, as we said, we've cleaned out a bit more sort of dead wood from the list. I think we can really get a very, very deep list and see some really intense competition for spots going into next year. And I think that's probably the number one thing that's going to really push us that little bit more is just that real competition for spots where blokes know that there's they're spots on the line every single week and they need to really put in if they want to play for the Port Adelaide Football Club and, and I think that's a really exciting thing looking into next year so what we might do guys we're almost to the end here we're going to have a quick chat about our favourite and least favourite moments from the year um, and then what I might get just to finish off I think is just a prediction for where you think we might finish next year but to start with Mako, perhaps you can start just quickly mate your favourite and least favourite moment for the year
3: sure favourite moment I mean, there's there's a lot of really obvious choices that I could make here, but I'm going to go a little bit left of centre and say round one, the third quarter.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that's when I knew we were going to have a really good year this year. Um, sort of the first ten minutes of that quarter, we were peppering the goals. Melbourne couldn't get the ball out of their defensive 50. And in previous years, you'd think, well, all Melbourne have to do is run it down the the other end of the ground kick a goal and that's going to start you know an influx of Melbourne goals and they'll probably go on to win the game it didn't happen we kicked a goal and then we kicked another four or five and and really hammered them you know they beat us in the pre season there was a lot of sort of I was quite nervous about that game in round one I really didn't know how it was going to go Um. so so for us to really hammer them in that first game I think really set up our season really well so that that for me is my favorite moment for the year Least favourite, um, it's a bit of a personal one in that uh, after the Geelong game, um, sitting at a set of traffic lights on Tapley's Hill Road, someone slammed into the back of me going about 50 kilometres an hour. I didn't notice that everyone else had stopped. I think he was on his phone. Um, nearly rode off my brand new car and, yeah, that was a, a real pain in the ass. Got a concussion. Um, <laughs> don't recommend that for anyone, to be honest. Fair enough too, mate. All right, TSW, favourite,
0: least favourite moment?
2: Uh, I think favourite's pretty easy. It's the the Collingwood final. Um, it was over there for it was ridiculously drunk and uh, yeah, that combinations that combinations pretty damn good. Um, I mean sitting there for that last quarter, I was just looking over at a few mates, just shaking my head, just in disbelief that it was actually happening. Um, that would come that far. Um, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, and probably least favourite of the year was uh. Another personal one, um, Ben Newton not getting a game. I just love Ben Newton. <laughs>
1: he was, he was, was a bit, bit hard done,
2: he, he He probably deserved the game, but I can understand why why he didn't towards the end. But, um, yeah, I think next year will be the year of the Newt. And, Rick,
1: what about size. you,
0: mate? Favourite, least favourite?
1: Well, look, I guess mine's more of an emotion, but I guess the first five rounds, um, what they did for me as a supporter after the last five, six years is give me some hope that we're, uh, that we're going in the right direction and we're back you know we're back on board and you know and the supporters started coming which culminated with the, the 45,000 with Carlton so that's probably my favorite. Um, my least favorite moment was would have to be the two of them the Tom Jonas suspension and the Hamish Hartlett suspension. Uh, just, and I think the AFL overall has just become a farce with the bump rule, uh, but they were just very frustrating. So, I mean, again, it's more of a swiper at, at the game than you know those two indiv- individual players or the reports. Um, but, yeah, just overall, it's just, yeah, farcical. And just, just quickly, you just got to indulge me for 30 seconds, but um, this is for Casey, who requested it a couple of weeks ago, but I've been missing an action for a little bit. Um, he wanted to know about the fishing. There's plenty of squid everywhere <laughs> in, in both sides of the Gulf. I caught a, I caught a truckload over on uh, at just below Ardrossan on the weekend. There's snapper just off the Grinnell jetty. So anyone with a little boat should be able to get some snapper. And supposedly Port Hughes is banging on lots of whiting. There you go, Casey. <laughs> the how were the, port- go- the sheep uh,
2: going as well, Rick?
1: I had eight processed last week and... Uh, Felt sorry for them, but they tasted bloody good. And uh, but I'm <laughs> having issue I'm having issues with our fences and kangaroos are just annihilating them. And so every morning and night, my poor eighteen-year-old son has to go out and chase the sheep off of. Uh, other people's uh, property So, Alright, without... moving
0: back on topic guys Because we get a bit sidetracked there <laughs> But My, my favourite for the year Was uh, was probably the final against Collingwood Just pipping the uh, the comeback showdown Which was just fantastic So pretty hard to split those But I think the final against Collingwood Doing it on the big stage at the G Against a quality team Was, was pretty darn good and impossible to go past uh, My least favourite for the year Was definitely the round 10 loss to the Western Bulldogs I can't believe no one else mentioned it I thought that would be a bit of a favourite I thought having lost sort of four games in a row that were probably games we didn't necessarily expect to win, we came up with one that we certainly did expect to win, and uh, and lost pretty disappointingly I thought in that game, and that was a real low light of the season where you know we were starting to wonder oh no was it just a bit of a honeymoon are we really going somewhere and uh, and fortunately from that point we managed to turn it round, but I thought that round ten loss to the to the Western Bulldogs was pretty disappointing so. Before we wrap up, guys, we're going to quickly run around and we're going to have a quick chat about, well, a quick prediction of where you think we're going to finish next year. So TSW, do you want to start, mate?
2: Yeah, probably around the same sort of spot, probably six to eight. Um, I think we'll improve immensely, but I think there's a lot of other teams that will probably improve. Uh, A few will probably drop out again. Um, But, yeah, I think if we are consistent, if we keep doing what we're doing, six to eight, uh, maybe even a little bit harder than that, probably not out of our realms. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to reach too hard as of yet, don't want to become crashing down.
1: Rick, what about you, mate? Yeah, I reckon we could maybe make fourth at a, at a stretch. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I'm with our friend there in around the 5th to 8th. But I'll go fourth. I think Geelong, Sydney and Hawks might all be due with their ageing list for a little bit of a slip, fingers crossed.
0: Mm-hmm. Been saying that for a few years, Rick, but I hope you're right. <laughs> I know
1: I have. It's got to happen.
0: <laughs> I think we all have, mate. I wasn't just picking on you. Uh, no, Macca, yeah. what are your thoughts, mate?
3: Uh, my expectation is top six, so we get a home final. Nice,
0: yeah, and I think the same. I, I'd predict us to finish sixth. I reckon. I think. I think we'll have an improved year, uh, but obviously it's going to be tougher. We will have a tougher draw. Teams will be coming at us. Teams will be analysing us a lot more. And so I think whilst we'll improve as a team, I think we we'll probably expect to finish around the same spot, and we should be happy with that. And then really pushing for top four and, and potentially, you know, getting deep into the finals the year after. I think is where we should be looking. Yep. So thanks, guys. Another great podcast. Um, until next week. Go the power. Cheers, boys.
3: Cheers, guys. See you later.